This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to another episode of the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. We are now a sponsored podcast. So our sponsor, Season Master, manufacturers of secondary glazing and biofold doors. Uh, and you can find them at www.seasonmaster.com or give them a call on 01252-319-670. Uh, we really appreciate the uh, support from Season Master. Uh, thanks very much for supporting the podcast and everything me and Danny do. But uh, yeah, we'll move on. Uh, also want to say uh, condolences to David McKnight's family. Unfortunately, David McKnight passed away during the week. Uh, he was a uh, groundsman at Kings Meadow with AFC Women Volunteer and then moved on. I think he helped Chelsea as well, Chelsea ladies. Unfortunately, he passed away during the week. So uh, condolences to his family and friends uh, and we wish them all the best. Uh, on the podcast tonight, it is myself. Lee Finch and Danny Baker. Danny, how are you? You all right? I'm good, mate. I was really quite sad about um, the passing of the fan. Really was. Like he was the kind of guy that I used to see regularly at the games doing the doing the pitch. Am I right? Yeah, I, I didn't know David personally. I've never spoke to him, but I knew of him because I see him every week. That's exactly it's, it. It's it's a lot. It's it's that's that's one thing. I I took two mates to Bradford who are not Wimbledon fans. One of them's never been to a Wimbledon game before. Big football fan, but never been to Wimbledon. Uh, and you get people saying hello to you all the time. Like, there's a few women fans saying, oh, hello, mate, you're all right, I'll love the podcast, but hello. He's like, do you know them? I'm like, no, it just they'll see me at pretty much every, like, you know what I mean? Because we, we are close near. as I said to him, once I went up to Grimsby, I think there was 100 of us. So back in the old Wimbledon FC days, you knew every single Wimbledon yeah, fan. Yeah, big time. That was there. And AFC Wimbledon, the, the volunteers and people that help out and stuff, and... I know it's a lot of stuff, but going fan ownership, non-fan ownership, and stuff like that. But our volunteers are great, and you you do like know the women fans. And as I said, I think everyone knew David, even if you didn't know him to speak to him or personally. But yes, yeah, it was a big shock. Yeah, uh, it's just, it's just it is a shame when, like I said, and I, I didn't, I haven't read into too much about it, but um, it just. It, it's a shame, isn't it? Because it, it's one of those people that I remember when I was younger watching Wimbledon and stuff, and you see a face that you recognise. And that I remember when I was younger, there was people like the General and Xavier and that kind of crew. And then you grow up older and then you're like, oh, OK, I recognise that bloke and that bloke and the jester. And then you get, all of a sudden you get older and you get to know them. And it's sort of, I guess it's all part of that, um, part of what we're about. So it was yeah, quite sad. 
it's, it's, it's a rare one for me, Wimbledon fans, because there's a lot that you kind of grow up as kind of like mini celebrities, so to speak, like Mikey T. When I grew up with Mikey, I, I knew Mikey, and then played like Paul with him and stuff like that. Now he's on W Don, and obviously he probably wants us not to give him as much stick. But do you know what I mean? Like he knows his. So what you're saying, Lee? What you're trying to say is that we're technically celebrities now. Is that no, what no, you're telling me? <laughs> not saying that, but you know what I mean. Like Jester, you, everyone knows the Jester, and. Yeah, you know I mean, no one ever calls me Lee. It's always Chips or Chigwell. I, I did wonder why I had a load of people outside my house the other day with cameras. I don't know what it was. So you get me? Like, who is it? Jonesy, Xavier, people like that. You grow up and you think, oh, look at them lads. Like, do you know what I mean? And then it is amazing. And again, it's sort of that sort of the the, the circle of life when you get the culture of like that group and then that, that that guard go and the next lot come in. And even now, you see the younger chaps coming through and they're well, living there. We was on the train on best day. We was on a train on Saturday with Jack. Jack Morton, he was a young lad. He's he's trying to go to every game. And there's another guy called John Mayhew, who uh, I know very well. He's trying to do every game this season as cheap as possible. So he drove up to Bradford and stuff. And he's driving to a few of the guys. I said, you're mad. But yeah, he's trying to do every game. And you, you, you know, and I, I met a lot of people and a lot of friends of mine are made through AFC Wimbledon and Wimbledon FC. Do you know what I mean? Some of the people that came to my wedding in May were all literally, most of them were, well, Apart from one, we're all people I met through football. Best man's Wimbledon fan I met at uh, football in Wimbledon. Another one's a Charlton fan, but we don't go on about no, them too much. Them the massive shadow, freezing cold in that shadow of Mill, ain't they? So, well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, it, it is an interesting. But my my random question to you today. I don't know if you've been watching the world of cricket, Lee, this week, but there's been a lot of press around yeah. a thing called the Mancad. Have you read about this? I, I saw. Yeah, I okay, saw. So them. those who don't know, obviously, I'm I'm a cricket fanatic i think that's a, a mild way of putting it and um, basically a man can is when you run up to bowl and you stop before you bowl and you basically watch the guy backing up and you you, you flick the stumps and you, you see you later so it's caused a lot of aggro because it's technically in the laws of the game but it's kind of frowned upon so my question to you lee is is there anything in football at the moment where you feel like you know what it's legal to do it but it's kind of frowned upon and the game would be better without it. So as an example for me, I can't stand it if a player goes down and he's holding his head and you, we all know why he's doing it. Like random, randomly in the pitch, guy goes down, we've got a break on, he holds his head, everything stops and we go back to the play. And I was like, well, I said to my dad about it the other day, I was like, any guy now with the modern culture goes down with a head injury, they should be five minutes off, go and do the, all, the, all the concussion tests, the whole lot, not necessarily as a prevention as such, but to obviously make sure that they're okay. And you can bring on a sub, but he's obviously not going to be as good and you can send him back on. And now hopefully if it's like, you know, 80th minute and the guy goes down because he wants possession, well, no, you're going to have five minutes off and you can sit and have a, yeah. and get yourself sorted. So you're trying to talk like, you know, remember the rugby thing, Harlequins? Of course. When they, they cheated because they... Yeah, know blood gate, yeah. If blood, yeah, if you have a blood injury, then you have to kind of, you can make a sub. And again, it's very similar with rugby, where you have the concussion protocol now, and I have it with cricket with the with the concussion protocol. Did you think so, with the cricket thing? Go on. First off, I didn't see anything wrong with it, other than it was against England. I thought with of course you did. The girls chasing. I know they're chasing runs, but she's gone well out of her crease. No, she hasn't, Lee. Well, she again, she's well out of her crease. And At also, the moment, she's going to let it go. What's she's the thing with cricket? Right? I'm going to go off subject. What's the thing with cricket? Why do they have to make up so many? Like none of it's English. Googleys and uh, Fifth Man and what's Fifth it Man. Well, what's it's all like, the? It's not. It's not like some sort of sitcom you lose. What's it's all, third what's man. The fielding positions. You got slip, third slip, second slip, uh, gully. 
excellent just, position, favourite position. Oh, was wicket keeper. Cow corner, point, extra cover. And, and running up, and what's it called? Yeah, it's just a cricket. It's just mad. Running I, up? Did you just say that? Oh, and, and running up? What is it what called? Uh, so it's called a run-up, yeah? I don't know, man. We've well, got I, sweepers, we've got full-back, false nines, you've got wing-backs, inverted wing-back. I mean, we can all go on. I mean, I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. The problem is we're probably going to lose, but people will probably put this bit on to go asleep to if they, they need to because cricket is quite boring. Our sponsor is not going to be happy then. Is <laughs> yeah, <straight laughs> on all seriousness then, is there any part of the game that you feel like, do you know what, it's okay to do it, it's legally okay to do it. If it's legally okay, then do it. No, yeah, but you, it was you know, okay I love to shit pass it back, but now you, you can't because they changed the rules. So no. is there a part of the game that you feel like, you know what, we don't, the game would be better out. So for me, I can't stand running it into the corner flag. It's just, I find, I understand why you do it and I get it. But for me, I'd, I would, I would well, try to incentivize it in a way that would stop people doing that. Regularly. We had an argument on WhatsApp that, did you see the Isaac Ogardiandi? Yeah. We, they, we can see last minute. And I love the way that you pronounce his name. That's fantastic. I can't pronounce it, mate. I ain't got a clue. I just call him Isaac. Uh, when when they scored, their their player goes right up into his face and gives it to him. Yeah, that and was few, pretty pretty ridiculous. Few few mates of mine said it was ridiculous. He's a pro. This eighteen starting his debut. Well, to be fair, he was mouthing off. He was slowing everything down. He was taking his time over every throw in. He was going to get the ball and then kicking it away, kind of thing, and pretending he didn't have it. You make your bed, you lie in it. I, I don't. I don't disagree with that. At and, all. and people will say oh, that's ridiculous. Where I just think, I'm, I, you know what I mean? They scored last minute. They they acted. We've got to take it proud that they acted like they did. And I think that people were like going mad, saying, "No, you shouldn't have done it." You know what I mean? A bit more professionalism, mate. I, I remember when I played, I was right in their faces if I scored last minute and stuff like that. I don't you know what I mean? I love shit out of stuff. I know, I but it's just there are some aspects of it that you feel like that that isn't going to be to the betterment of the game. And the game could be better by doing it. So, for instance, for me... The game could be better by not paying thousands of pounds to shit footballers. And we've got enough on our books. Maybe maybe that's what we do. Maybe one of the rules that you bring in is there's a wage cap. Across the board, every single league, you have a wage cap. You're you're out running the ball into the corner. We'll just be better at football and you won't need... You know what I mean? But every team there's does one it. thing I hate. One thing I hate the most, and we've gone we've gone through this before in previous podcasts, is when the goalkeeper can seem to take a free kick wherever he wants. Yeah. Okay. So goalkeeper, the, the, right in the corner, there's a free kick because they've gone to run it down. Geezer's booted him right free kick. The goalkeeper get it and take it near enough like halfway out the pitch. That's and throw-ins when the the throw-ins literally there, and then the geezer takes another hundred feet, and he's now at yeah, the edge of the box. That that one thing I do that's like. really annoying. But I just, that's, there are, there are that's on the officials to sort that out, really. And do you know what I mean? There's one way to sort football out, and that's like calm down on the wages. The wages are out of control. We've got people earning three, four grand at Wimbledon who are awful footballers. Uh, I I love shit ass. I love I, even as I said, Isaac. If you're gonna give it, if you're gonna give it, mate. You're gonna have to take it back. And Bradford, I think he learnt lessons that will. Uh, make him a much better player, but yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to see Lee Brown do it to their player if we scored last minute. So you, you've you've alluded to Bradford. I didn't see any of it. 
So come on, talk to me. Uh, we, we were we spoke didn't we the week last week and said we're looking for a reaction, we're looking for energy, we're looking for players who want to be there. Did you get what you wanted? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. I, I predicted four 0 before the game to Bradford because they were right. on a great run. They've got some great players. They've got Cook who has scored eleven goals in eleven games for them. We kept him quiet. We uh, one good thing for us was Pierce went off quite early doors after we conceded. Which probably helped us. Tyler, I can't remember his name now. I always call him the wrong name. The young lad come on from Brentford. Yeah. Uh, and gave us a bit of pace at the back, which was brilliant. Lee Maybe Brown. Bristol got... City. Yeah, sorry. Was it Bristol City we got in front yeah. of? Yeah. So I was, I was going to ask about Lit. So did Pierce go, what was it that when Pierce went on, we all of a sudden were better? What was it? Do we play more direct? Were we more energetic? Were we actually looking to use the ball? More? I don't know, because the problem is Pierce goes off quite early. So it might have been the fact that we do, we do all right. With Pierce on the pitch, play the same. Yeah. But Lee Brown, I thought it was, and a lot of people agreed, it was his best performance in really? a Wimbledon shirt. He got the captain's armband, and I've said this before about Lee Brown. He's not as quick as he used to be, and he can't play as good as he used to be. But he does talk. He talks to all the players. I saw it cruelly. He talks to the goalkeeper. He talks to the young players, and he tries to get them going and tries to talk to them and stuff like that. And people get a bit annoyed with him because he talks a good game off the pitch. But I thought he was superb on Saturday. Uh, as I said, Cook was quite... I thought, in the first half, I thought we were really poor, to be fair, but Bradford didn't really offer us anything. And I yeah. said, I took, took two mates up there who'd, who'd never seen us play before, and they were saying, like, Davison, like, he's awful, don't hold the ball up. I said, watch what he does off the ball. Not when we're trying to get the ball to him and stuff. We are finding it hard. Uh, they thought Paris was good, but too easily pushed off the ball. Yeah. Gets out muscle quite easily. Uh, how was Nightingale? Nightingale, he was hit and miss. He he got roasted a couple of times. Then he done a head challenge, which was superb, and brought the ball out. Uh, a second half, I think, with Tyler next to him, the young lad, I think he'd done much better. Odegaard, I thought, was brilliant. We was he now... good? generally good, was he? Yeah, I think it's a t- it was a tough game to throw him in against Bradford. They're bullies, they're big. Do you know what I mean? There's 17,000 of them on his back every time he's taking a throw in and stuff. And But I said on the debrief on Sunday is that we now know that we can trust this kid against the Colchesters, the Gillinghams, the teams that we've got coming up soon that we yeah. possibly could be looking to beat quite easily. You can throw him in there and go, right, go down that right. He was merry, not as good as Jack Curry, but he offers you what Jack Curry does, which is go yeah. try to beat people. Try so would you would you play him over um, Gunter? At the moment, yeah. Or would you play Gunter in one? I, I, again, I change it around because we have got that now, and Gunter's going off in December to the World Cup, so we losing November, probably. November, November. Sorry, mate. Uh, Fifty-four oh. days in it, or fifty-two, something like that. I don't know, but I'm terribly excited by it. I'm not that bothered, but anyway. Uh, but I he can he I reckon you can now throw him in. You know you can trust him now, which before I think people didn't know if he was going to make that step up yeah uh so yeah how's was, how was pal pal good he again first half my mate he, he he's watched a few colchester games and he said our oh, pal's exactly the same as colchester giving away needless free kicks getting involved in stuff that he didn't yeah he does that involved. a lot doesn't he uh passing was off but again second half everyone just stepped up a sal kind of gets the game like he does by the scruff of the neck he drives at people gets people going uh, and pal was brilliant scored good goal davison was Absolutely superb second half. Held the ball up really well. We kept them really quiet. Uh, uh, the first goal was disappointing. I think 
the Wolves should do better. And I think Zanev looking at it, if you pause it and stuff, should it's down yeah, the middle. Oh, it comes in with a lot of power. But what I would say is if you've never been to Bradford away, go. It is a, such a good away day. So many good pubs there. Such good Bradford fans were brilliant. And yeah, and they didn't like the fact we were being shit asses. I went on their podcast after the game on the way back from Bradford to Leeds. They had a, a vent or something, the Bantam vent or something like that, and they were saying about us. And I went on there and said, "Well, what do you want us to do? We're away to Bradford, who have won four home games in a row, conceded one goal against a team who's lost four games in a row. What do you want us to come uh, just play expansive football the whole ninety minutes, or do you want us to run the clock down and stuff?" They weren't overly keen on that kind of football, but I bet they do it every single week. I don't care. So what was Zanev like, mate? So obviously, because obviously I had a few questions. Yeah, nothing to do. Zanev, nothing to do? Well, he made, he, to be fair, that's a lie. He made two great saves. One, the free kick, yeah, he should have done better. Then he made an absolute worldy of a save. If you watch yeah, the highlights. I saw that. Yeah, that was fantastic. Tipped, tipped, he was going one way and tipped it over. I think he makes one save. The second heart, he kind of pushes it on the bar. I don't know. Maybe he should have done better with that. But he didn't, mate, he did have a lot to do away to Bradford. Was his kicking all right? Did he get the ball? Yeah. Was he okay on the on We the didn't ball? really pass it around the back. Kind of went a little bit a longer. Little bit more, a little bit more attack. Yeah. It was a bit... And the equaliser, Lee, was it always coming? And Because obviously yes. one of the big things that's frustrating is with us, we've, we seem to, over the last two or three years, we seem to be quite, have a little bit of a soft underbelly and lose a little bit of confidence. And obviously we haven't, we, we've lost over the last two years basically the, the know-how how to close out a game and win but yeah. was it always coming did you I mean because I, I, yeah, I coming. we hit the bar first half from Chislet. Uh second half we hit the post which I missed because I was in the bar still because it was first like four or five minutes in the second half I was speaking to actually uh, NYC's dad oh uh, was you yeah he said he should how be back, he doing? back four weeks yeah he loves oh, it he good. wasn't even in the squad and his dad's coming to watch games he knows Wimbledon fans he's quite a lad and he knows Wimbledon and he was saying to me that he loves it. He loves it being at Wimbledon. He's never really felt the love at any other clubs. Uh, and he, 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 that's all he wants, really, is to feel the love. And I think I think he's yeah. going to get that at Wimbledon because he's a good player. But, yeah, four weeks, hopefully he'll be back. Uh, yeah, the equaliser was coming. As I said, we were putting him under a lot of pressure. And then when it came, oh, it, was, it was good good limbs in the way end. And, uh, what was um, Verdane Oliver like? He was well, not. He was. He was someone I thought we we should have gone in for. You know, come on, second half he done all right. But they brought on another lad who bullied us a little bit. And Paris and Pell. They one complaint people had on the Sunday debrief is that they get themselves involved and throw themselves into things and fall over a lot when we get needless bookings. Which yeah, getting sent off, which we need to kind of curtail because we haven't really got the squad for suspensions. But, and Asal, I presume Asal, did he play up right up top or was he behind? Played up, he played just behind. It was like Chislett and Asal and then Davison kind of thing. Yeah, that's good, yeah. Chislett was, Chislett in my opinion, weren't great. He'd done what he normally done, but then he steps up with a free kick that we he can do. As oh, well. so, we're just, it, it's just, it's just... Hardly was good. good when he came on as well, to be fair to him. Well, it's just, it's, like I said, it's, it's nice to be able to feel like... I'm not saying we've turned a corner because it'd be so naive to go, oh, we've turned a corner, this is it. But it's just nice to be able to feel like we, we've gone to one of the better teams in the league what, and we, what, we stood up for ourselves. What I didn't like is coming out of the game and, and someone said it, I think it was Sam on debrief said that, oh, did you feel disappointed when you left? And it was demoralising and people at home were like annoyed. I left that stadium really happy. Hmm. One, I was half cut. Uh, That's always going to help. Two, 
it was good laugh. We went two one up away to Bradford. When they scored, they were give because we gave it to them. There was there was these like twelve, thirteen year old kids proper giving it to us, which is always funny. But I left there still happy because our team, everyone wanted an identity. Everyone wanted a Wimbledon performance, and I think we put that in away to Bradford. I think Johnny Jackson went a little bit overboard saying about how proud he was and all that, but. You lose four games in a row. I can see where he probably was coming from because he, is, he needed to stop the rot, didn't he? Last season we went what? Ten, how many games without a win? And uh, Robbo would have just bit your hand off for a performance. And and I think we got that with games coming up that we should win. And people who didn't watch the game and stuff or watched it on iFollow and stuff were kind of overreacting, in my opinion, a little bit to the game. As I said, I was when you're there, it's a totally different game. And I've probably done it before when I've watched it on iFollow or. Do you know what I mean? You're not really watching it because you're at home and stuff. You're not really in the game. Uh, and you, you do concede last minute. You do kick the cat or you, you, you know what I mean? You yeah, my cat's fuming with us. Throw biscuits at your missus and stuff. And No, I'm eating them. I'm eating them. Yeah, well, yeah. Not biscuit, I suppose. But it's just, like you said, it's, it's just, it is definitely a different game. It's just nice to sort of feel a much more positive, well, eight have a much more positive chat. And it seems to be that we might have stumbled across something that might work for us, particularly playing a bit more direct. And and without, it's just interesting that we kind of stumbled across it without our two most experienced, well, three, take Woodyard, take Gunter, and obviously Pierce, not available. We've well, somehow I, found it. I tweeted after the game, again, I was pretty, pretty half cut by this point, that uh, about not today's shows, it doesn't matter how annoyed you are with the club players, Don Strasbourg, there is nothing like an away day. So people keep going to me, oh, I can't I can't be bothered and all this and but please don't stop that. Don't stop the shit football and stuff going to because away days are the best, man. They are unrivaled. It it it's just I know you could lose one 0 but then you get a moment where you you score a, a free kick away to Bradford and you lose last minute like goal, but they are the best thing ever. Go with your mates. Like there said, there was only three of us who went up there and we had the well like great time. There was great. definitely I mean I've I don't often ever like go on my own to a game. I'd normally go with mates or whatever. But I remember a couple of years ago, we went to Rotherham and it was absolutely bitter. I think it might be the year that it went up. We lost 2-0 maybe, quite comfortable. Michael Smith scored as usual, always scores against us, doesn't he? I remember being up there and I just remember being like, do you know what? I'll be all right on my own because when I'm up there, you'll find somebody and it's like a brotherhood, isn't it? It's almost like a... It's, I can't really describe it. It's like those things where you like you've been in a war with someone else in the battalion, and you see each other, and you're like, "Yeah, okay." It's almost like you've done done your cap, you've earned your earned your badge, yeah. um, and you kind of when you're standing there, everyone's kind of looking around. There's like only 150 of you, but you're all mucked in tight. It, I think it's fantastic. Way games are absolutely sensational. I totally oh, right. and, and you, you get the you get the times when like, I've been to like you go Arsenal, Vinnie Jones wins and you scores and win one nil. You go up to Old Trafford and Robbie Elwood banging a last minute Eddie. You go to Hampton and Richmond and John Maynard banging a goal as well. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, as you said, you'll go to what couple of places you don't expect. Like as I said, I expected to lose four 0 on Saturday. I was there for a, for a laugh and seeing mates, and then to get the result we did, I was buzzing after that. And we had there a great was definitely time the unexpected away game where late you decide late in the day. Oh, sorry, let's just go. Come on, I'll pick you up. We'll go. There, I remember that that was with the playoff for Rackman with my dad. I was at work and I said, like, oh, I don't know what, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I was I'm in an R in. And my dad was like, well, why don't you come watch it? I said, no, sorry, we're going. I was like, right, I'm picking you up tomorrow morning. We'll go. Or tomorrow, I think we left at 
midday, got up there at sort of six, half six. And it's a miss, absolute trek up there. We got stuck up there, but me and my old man went and we're just chatting on the way. On the way back, I was absolutely exhausted dri- driving. Came back off, obviously after winning, but it is like the unexpected away game. It's fantastic. It's just a, it's such a different vibe to a home game. Yeah, right? no, I said, but I think there weren't. There was what three hundred and fifty-one fans at Bradford, uh, and that's yeah, pretty I'm, good, though, isn't it? There was some people I've never seen before. Some people that probably haven't been like live up north and stuff and travel to games. I knew there was a couple of them, and it was good. Yeah, it was. It was good. We were loud. We we were definitely loud because once they scored, they were singing to us like. Uh, fucking hell you and you're not singing anymore so we must have been loud because it rivaled them up a little bit which was always good so little oh, women going to Bradford and nicking a point they didn't like it so the big question is now obviously is, is is obviously we'll talk about it a bit later but can we use this as a little bit of a springboard can we put on a similar performance at home because arguably if you play like that at home you, you're winning yeah, well, we'll speak about it later when we talk about the six games got coming up but these, we've had some tough games, Danny. Really tough. Mansfield, Northampton, Carlisle away, Bradford away. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They, they're very hard. Even at the start of the season, we all thought Gillingham were going to be up there and amongst it. You know what I mean? Oh, they, they, they look terrible. Paulie, they? Paulie were going to be up there and amongst it and they, they look even worse. Do you know what I mean? So we've, we have, we've had a hard start into League Two and you also got to remember that last year, I think it was Mansfield and Bristol Rovers were sitting exactly the same place we were. Yeah. And, and Bristol Rovers ended up getting promoted. So, there is stuff to be positive about, so yeah. Long live the positivity. We'll move on, yeah. And when we come back, what did you want? This is your discussion. What did you want to speak oh, about? I'll tell you after the break. <laughs> the Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. And we're back, and Danny's got something for us for the second part of the uh, episode. What you got, mate? So I was basically looking at, and I was chatting to my mate at work, and I was chatting to the lads on the weekend about um, Full Storm. So Nick and Paul, if you're listening, this is for you. Um, we were just talking about, you know, those sort of players who the hype is massive, but they don't ever quite reach it. And then there's players who just come under the radar. So we were talking about, for example, cricket. We were talking about someone like Joffre Archer, who came, came bursting on the scene, was going to be the next big thing. We haven't seen him since. Whereas you've got people like Danny Mills and Trevor Sinclair. Do you remember that World Cup where they came from nowhere? <laughs> and all of a sudden they're playing every week. Steve Stone. Do you remember him? People are like, you're like, what are you doing playing for England? But they turn up and they're absolutely quality. So I was looking around. I was thinking, who would be our players who you feel like players, managers, teams, possibly who you thought, wow, I wasn't expecting you to be brilliant, but you really, really are. And those players that you feel like, you know what, you, you were meant, you came with hype and you didn't perform. And I was interested in, so for, as example, I thought a Sal is massively a surprise sunshine. He's someone who I never thought when we had him in the squad, I just thought it'd be, it'd be another, you know, Tom Beer. I think we'd be another one of those guys who came, did a little bit of first team. Thank you very much. We'll see you at Dorking. I didn't expect him to come in and be really, really good. McCormick came with the hype, came with the Chelsea. You know, he was going to be the man, the big player, blah, 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 blah. I never really got out of first gear. Well, maybe second gear, but he never really got out of gear for us. So I was just going to interest if there's any players who surprise you with how good they were or surprise you with how poor they were? I've got, well, a poor one. 
I've got two. I've got two poor ones. Of, uh, well, two I thought we were going to do well and didn't. Um, okay. Player, player and a manager. Okay. So, well, two managers I've got in my mind straight away. But player-wise, Charlie Sheringham. Do you remember Charlie Sheringham? Yes. Yeah, Come yeah, yeah. Non-league. And he was raved about and stuff like that. And he came, I think he went, what, 15 goals without scoring? A, 15, 15 games, games without yeah. scoring? And he was pants, to be fair. He was awful. I know he's in non-league again now. Uh, and he ain't doing too well. Uh, yeah, didn't really score much for us. And he was someone who come with a little bit of hype behind him as well because it was t- Teddy Sheringham's son. Yeah, 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 he was going to do stuff and he didn't. Managers wise, I think the the big one, obviously, most people will probably say that came and you thought, oh yeah, we could do something, and we got relegated. And was Igor Olsen? Oh my god, I, that was literally the guy I spoke to. I got so you have no idea how excited I was when Egil Olsen was the Norwegian manager. And he said, "Oh, was he Valeringa or something daft or Mol?" Oh, he's he's like the didn't... only P team I want to I'd manage is Brazil or Wimbledon. That's what and I was just about to say. This is. Yeah, you know, just say, so I was just excited. about to say before he had an interview before he got and he said the only teams I want to manage is. And I was really excited about him coming in because he oh was like he was I so thought quirky. he was going to be our awesome finger. He's so quirky, Drillo. He was so like quirky and I was just I remember thinking he is literally us like crazy gang this guy's a bit mental weird Norwegian bloke who wears gum boots and glasses very sort of plays very very offensive very forward playing get it long play and then we were absolutely terrible that year like I remember I remember when it all fell apart for me at Fulham away in the cup and he played Damien Francis left back and I was like what on earth are you doing that whole from that moment, I was like, we've we've lost the plot here, and we just it, yeah. I just remember in the sun, they have that picture when he left. They put the boots on it on the desk. Remember, we like the Norwegian flag in it, and it was like, take that. The Wellingtons. Yeah, yeah. John Arson used to just bully him. John Arson used to just bully the man. Uh, but there was, there was some there was some other like I mean, there's you know, there's plenty for Wimbledon and plenty for um for AFC. The one guy as well, I remember him having the best debut for us as Nathan Elder, big tall lad up front had an unbelievable debut and I thought, my God, this boy is absolutely class. I think he might have been conference, might have been, you know, National South. I don't know the exact year, but he was absolutely mustered. I thought this guy is going to be phenomenal. He was tall, strong, handful. I think he scored a goal, might have scored two on his debut. And then after that was absolutely terrible. It was almost like one of them players who plays really good just to get a gig, just to get like yeah, give me a contract, the edge of contract. I'll now be put. I'll now be terrible. I'm relaxing. I, I remember Darren, him. Darren was, Holloway was another one like that. Oh mate, everyone he came in Darren on his Holloway. debut. He was absolutely class. So I got his name on the back of my shirt because I thought this is a player. That's when I used to get yeah. And then Darren Holloway. He was awful after that. And uh, oh, that was the so other bad. manager I had in mind, recent one, and it ain't yeah. Robert, by the way. Uh, well, uh, Robbo would be fair. I mean, the whole—I mean, that that team for me was the definition of underachieving. Or we were promised well, lots, we got me, very little. It was uh, the manager just before him, which was Glenn Hodges. Oh, really? I expected a lot from Glenn Hodges coming in. He had he had a, a good apprenticeship under Mark Hughes. I know he's under him again now as a set pieces coach. Do you know what I mean? I thought he'd come in ex crazy gang because Wally came in and done it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No one. Wally's one you could say you didn't expect much from, and do you know what I mean? He, he saved us and the great escape and everyone. That's when I think when Wally came in, we kind of got that connection back with the players. Yeah. I mean, we run on the pitch at Bradford. We have people like Ramsdale, Woody, Wordsworth, and people like that. And then Glenn comes in, and you think, right, he's going to continue this. Yeah. You're going to have that crazy gang spirit. 
and it just didn't work for him, did it? Really, it was quite no. boring. It was quite dull, and it, and it petered out really, yeah. really quickly, didn't it? Yeah. It's all. It just. It, I just find it interesting how some people, some players. I remember Jim Fenlon, right back. I thought he was going to be sensational, and just died off the face of the earth. Ben Harrison, left back, young ben lad. Harrison. Thought he was going to be absolutely terrific. Nowhere near. One of the other ones I thought was going to be unbelievable, and nothing happened. Was Alfie Egan? He was so like. I think he's building his career again now. Though. Yeah, he, he, he's just gone. Talking? Yes, I think yeah, he's just think gone he's somewhere in the conference. So he's probably found his level. And the problem we had as AFC Wimbledon is that we we rose so quickly. Yeah. The youth team kind of couldn't keep up. So we had like Alfie Egan and stuff. Probably was a great conference player, but we we needed League Two, League One players, and it was like, well, unfortunately, we just got. We just were too we quick. Were, we, were, we were a couple of years we were. I'm trying to that. think of good ones, I thought, because I... I well, I'll tell you who I thought. Jack Midson, I thought. When we got him, Oxford, Lyle Taylor, similar, didn't have great, great careers before us, was relatively, you know, we, we he came, obviously, he, I think Midson was probably our first main our main striker when we got into the Football League. Um, and he was, okay, you know, he came, you know, but... I just felt he he really really embraced what we were doing. Somebody who, like I said, when he came, I absolutely knew nothing about him, and he just seemed to really really hit it off really quick. Really like his work rate was phenomenal, and he totally totally blew me out of the water. Yeah, I'm one of these people that every time we sign someone, I rave about them from minute one. Of course one. you do. Of course you do. I, I pretend I know everything about them just by looking at Wikipedia, make up a load of stuff, tell everyone they're great, and then when they turn to shit. Yeah, I mean the other one. There was, I mean, there's been some other full storms. Henry Lawrence was so disappointed this last year, yeah, and we Presley. Mean... We can oh, mention, we can mention oh. them because they, the future's up to them. But Cosgrove, um, Cosgrove, blooming yeah. last season was. I thought he was. I seen him play for Aberdeen a few times. Thought he was going to bat around like, and then he, well, he scored two the other day, and everyone's raving about him again. But I, yeah, I, it just there's, like it, it's it's like there are. There are so many guys who you feel like, you know, people like Tom who, Elliott who came who from you nowhere. Have, who do you have in this current squad? Yeah. Would you have obviously Jack Curry's one where you didn't think much? Well, didn't no, know he's kicked him, right. He's, he's kicked right on. Yeah, he's kicked right. Dan on. Shocker from last year, I thought was very good. Yeah. By the end uh, of it, he would have definitely started. And he. Lee Brown's on the other the other hand of it, where you think, oh, yeah. we've got this hard man coming in and stuff like that, and everyone's been left a bit disappointed. The one for me, the big one for me, is George Marsh. In terms of what? Well, we raved about him. We thought uh, we got a player here. Second season in now. Different manager again. He's, what, he's had three managers under us now. And he, uh, he's real tricky, kid. Yeah. He's out of not, No, he wasn't with Clean. He was with Robbo, I think. He was with just Robbo. Yeah, Robbo brought him in, didn't he? Robbo brought him and McCormick in. He doesn't really start many games. And you can't have him starting at the moment with Paris and Pell in. Then you're going to have Woodyard soon. He's kind of had his chance to get games and start games, and he's just not, for me, not grabbing it and not the player that I thought he might be and was raving about last season. And I tell you what, there's one player, in my opinion, who's gone yo-yoing, is Osu. Osu, last year, came, oh my God, this lad wasn't expecting anything, was absolutely brilliant, charging around, doing great. This year, you're expecting, oh, in League One, League Two, you're going to be decent, and he's been he's been pony so it's been interesting to is sort the of contract stuff not helped us at all though you know what i mean because everyone loves a boo boy and once you get that boo boy reputation it's hard to kind of shift now like zanim's having it as well do you know what i mean he's another one that started really well everyone thought brilliant league one shot stop we don't need to get 
another goalkeeper in now and now everyone's like, he's made a couple of mistakes. It's like, well, bin him off straight away. I said, once you get that Boo Boy nickname and that name behind you, it's really hard to shift. And I think once you have one keepers, back... Particularly keepers, mate. You can have well. 10 good games. Osu and Zanev could have now 10 great games. They have one bad one and everyone just remembers that. I think keepers as well. And it's it's so easily identified, isn't it? The keeper's on his own, wears a different colour shirt. And they're so pivotal. And particularly... If you're struggling, the ball's coming a lot down your end a lot. Um, I'd be interested to see where it'll be because obviously Yaskalainen's Yask- coming. I can't see him. Moro, really small. Who Yaskalainen? For a goalkeeper, yeah, I don't know what our obsession with midget goalkeepers is, but uh, you know, remember back AFC Wimbledon days, back, back, back when we first started, and we had yeah. that midfielder. What's his name? Mem- Mem- Barry, Barry, yeah, Barry. Do you remember John Barry Bates? That's it. John Barry Bates. Barry Bates. Remember, he came in with I a massive. No he came in with a massive name. reputation that he was going to be half decent, played for a few good clubs, and he was horrendous footballer when he came down to us. There were some. There were some loads of guys like like Glenn Schimmel came in and was brilliant, and really, really came in and smashed it out of the park. Do you know one I didn't Kevin Cooper as well. Just one, one I didn't think was going to be great, and and did really well for us and he went on to have a really good Shane Smeltz. Yeah. Because he came in as this New Zealand international. He'd been at, at, like, on trial at, I think, Mansfield and another... Halifax, I think, maybe. Halifax, that's the one, yeah, or Hereford, something like that. And, and I thought, oh, God, he's just... You know what I mean? He ain't going to be that great coming in. And then he scores that volley on his debut and everyone thought, oh, hello. And then, yeah, he was one that... Yeah, I think he ended up having quite a good career in the end. He, he done well with us, moved on, and then... It's, it's, it's very, yeah, there's like I said, there's sort of loads of players who you thought who just come out of nowhere. But it was, yeah, I just, I remember sort of chatting to the guys about, we were talking about, you know, we were talking about that England team that everyone talks about, oh, you know, they're going to win things. And you said earlier that people forget that, yes, it was our best team, but also it's a really good Brazil team, really good Germany team, really good Italy team. You've got really good Portugal team just starting to come through. Ronaldo's young and all of a sudden they're building that momentum and it's sort of, I guess it's, it's particularly for those international teams and players. I was talking about tennis with people like Laura Robson, who's like this great young female hope who's going to be the best person. Radicanu now, she's won one major. She's been terrible ever since. Yeah, it's just sort won. of, it's interesting it's to not, see. But she won a major when there was no decent players in the freaking tournament. But I think, but, but even with women's tennis in general, it's, it's just so like mental like the, the men you kind of got right you're the four best players see you later women it's football, it's like everyone goes on about Qatar being oh yeah it's in the winter and stuff it's going to help England well yeah, it's also going to help other clubs mm. uh, countries sorry do you know what I mean because I know they have winter breaks and stuff but their players are going to be fresh as daisies and they do well when the summer tournaments but yeah I thought Wimbledon wise I'm trying to think of good because as I said every player that comes in I always roadbound and think yeah this player's going to be like the best and stuff like that and then they like Presley come in last year again, another one who I thought would come in. He scored thirty odd goals in Brentford B team. Didn't really do it at an adult football. Maybe we are a little bit too optimistic with some of our loans. Sometimes Paris is kind of. I think Sam Elliott mentioned it on the debrief the other day that Rolls Royce was mentioned after about two or three games of Paris playing. Yeah. Where now you're thinking actually he's lacking a little bit in part of his game. Yeah, which is why he's with us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's why he's been sent on loan, so you can can iron him out, and then when he goes back to Brentford, he'll be hopefully a complete player for them, and they they get him on and 
But yeah, I'm trying to think. And obviously, we, we've hyped up Bendel massively as a club. Now everyone else is talking about, oh, you know, how good he is. But it is just going to be a question of like whether he's going to be able to be someone desperately needs to go on loan and play some proper matches and actually get some adult football in. Regardless of his age, the best place he needs to be is our Castle Athletic or someone like that playing lots of football every single week, getting his fitness up, training at Wimbledon when he can. That'll do, you be, remember, uh, do you remember another one? Because it's Riyadh, because for me, the good one's Riyadh, because as I said, I expect every player that we sign to be good because they're coming in to better your squad kind of thing. Yeah. And it's easier to go right. Do you remember the left back, the Arsenal kid, ended up playing for Celtic and other clubs, got the best agent in the world, Blackman. Yeah, Andre Blackman. Blackman came in, played against Arsenal, was unbelievable. Everyone thought, bloody hell, we have got a left. Like, this kid is going to be unreal. Unfortunately, his attitude just didn't help him at all. And then he's just, what? He, and he ended up having some massive clubs after us and just been, his attitude just fucked him and been out of football. It just shows you, like, how far attitude can take you. But there's been, like I said, it just be interesting. It might come up. One good thing we, we've always had at Wimbledon is we our young players coming through, most of them always have. And this... This is where we can give Rob his due and give him his plaudits, is that our kids always have that good mentality about them. You think Jack Radoni, you think the players that have made it and gone off to Sweeney's, uh, even Zach Robinson now. Zach Robinson's up in Dundee, getting his nut down, scoring goals, trying to prove, look, when I come back, I'm in. Do you know what I mean? Even now, Jack Curry. Jack Curry absolutely loves it, just loves being a professional footballer. You've, you've opened the door here, though, because the only player I, I can't, get a read on is Bartley I just I can't get when I'm looking at him his stature big strong and the way that he kind of conducts himself maybe because I saw the TV show thing on him but haven't quite he, he could be him. one that we thought oh yeah this kid's going to be amazing and okay, maybe yeah. drops out but hope not because again I don't think his attitude's too bad he, he seemed to breath it away he was on the bench again and seemed to be celebrating staff and but yeah, I get what you mean. But most of the youth, I, I can't think of too many youth players who have come through Wimbledon have got a really bad attitude kind of thing. Uh, and the ones who have have kind of been binned out. You think that young striker we had who ended up going Middlesbrough, but I don't think he plays for them anymore either. Well, Asanya, yeah, he's moved yeah. on somewhere else, I think. Do you know what I mean? He, so he one, went to Billerick in the end. The one that went to West Ham, I don't think he's got a club anymore. Asanya, actually, no, he's at Colchester. Colchester, yeah. Is he playing? No idea. Let's find out. No, I don't know either. But do you know what I mean? They kind of leave uh, and we don't seem too disappointed. And the, the other guy that Robbo said that he would be the one that he would have kept, going Chef Wednesday, end up on loan at Celtic. Again, I don't think he's playing much even nowadays. And there must be reasons why these players are not being picked up after they leave Wimbledon. Who was the other guy? The striker. Uh, young black lad. He went to somewhere, Burnley. Daniel Aki. Daniel Aki. He hasn't really settled down at any club either after Wimbledon, has he? He's gone... But that's yeah. one of the things that's interesting. My dad always talks about it. And when a lot of the time we look at players, like the number of players that leave Wimbledon and go on to bigger, 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 better, better things isn't loads. I mean, like I said, Tom Elliott left, went to Millwall, was yeah. okay in the championship. He's, he's without now a club he's, at the moment. Now he's without a club. You know, Lyle Taylor is one of the ones that clearly, okay, he's left. He's gone on to bigger and better things. Um, what's his name? Sibic. I don't think you can really class him as someone who's gone on and really, really made it happen somewhere. I don't know. Cox. He did go at Barnsley and they were in the championship when he was doing well. He nearly got him in the playoffs to the premiership. But, is that, but that's only one year though. But he had we're one not, year. We're not talking about players what? who have gone and been, okay, you you, you are a, a decent player and you've played regularly you were, in those teams. 
talk about earlier, you know, one things that kind of annoys you about it and stuff like that. And one thing I don't understand, I kind of, I, I kind of get it, but when you're a footballer and you're earning half decent money, why do you look to move on to another club and risk? You know I mean, do you get why? I, it really annoys me. Like you're you're settled at a club, you're doing well for them, you're earning good money, and you risk it just for say a grand more a week and stuff like that. And then you, you say that you, you say that, mate, but it's not just that, is it? I mean, you get the grand a week, then you've got the appearance money goes up, then you've got the gold bonus goes but, up, then it's then they sell you the. But dream, then in two years' you time, get you sign on. Like Elliot now without a club might not find a club now and he's got to kind of retire. What else is he going to do after? No, football? you're right. But then you've got he the other earned, side of He wouldn't have earned enough to retire. Well, he probably would have earned just enough to retire on. But you're Jamie, right. But then you've got the other side of the coin where Lyle Taylor's technically, although he's not in the squad, he's playing in the Premier League now. Yeah, but most of the, most players you look at and stuff who do leave and go on to so-called bigger and better things. Do you know what I mean they don't? I just yeah, it's kind of great. It is a weird one. Pigger, as an example is someone who played League One football, was probably doing okay financially, but him leaving, he's doubling his money. How can you possibly compete with that? Regardless of playing football, think about it from a financial perspective. No, I, I, I get that. It's, it's, I get the doubling the money, I do, I get going, But it's the ones like Luke McCormick. Luke McCormick's gone to Bristol now. I can't imagine them doubling his money because he was on decent money at Wimbledon. He's now probably having to move up there I just, for me, I don't. They're not, for me, they're not a bigger club than Wimbledon, even though their fans would say they are. Probably their fan base is a bigger club than Wimbledon, but we got a better ground, I say, and stuff like that. I just, for me, that was a, it was a weird one for me when that happened. Do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, McCormick one was weird on the fact that it, it, it's the comms around it. You know, he, he was coming to us as the big technical geniusy player. He's now looking at two relegations. Bristol Rovers have been poor this year. He's been playing regularly. He, he could quite easily then get himself to be to the point where there's three relegations here. I mean, I haven't checked the relief table, but they are in a world of trouble by the, what I can see. I just don't really like footballers too much, to be fair. So, Well, Bristol Rovers are in the bottom four. Yeah, I hope they get relegated this year. Thanks, thanks for coming, McCormick. I hope they get relegated. If we don't go up, I hope we play them and we just boo the crap out of him anyway. Anyway, should we, should we move on? And when we come back, we're going to be talking about the next six games. How big are they and are they massive? for Johnny Jackson retaining his job. The Wombles had a dream podcast by the fans for the fans. And we're back and we're going to be discussing the next six games. So the next six are Colchester, Walsall, Sutton, Rochdale, Crew, Harrogate. Uh, oh, wow. Are they massive for Johnny Jackson? Will he still be in a job at the end of them games? Danny, what do you think? Well, me. Well, I, th- I think the first things first is they are, they are six big games. Um, I don't know how many of those are pushing at the higher end of the league, um, but I would have thought most of them will be in and around us. And if we've got any aspirations to have a relatively comfortable season, we're going to need to have, you know, double, double, sort of double digit points out of, out of 18. We've got to be looking at 10 
as an absolute minimum, I would, I would have thought three wins and a draw, maybe with a couple of losses chucked in. If you if you're being negative, I think I think we've got to be looking at though that that sort of points tally against people who are in and around us. If if we're going to have any resemblance of feeling comfortable, satisfied, enjoy our football this year, but what do you reckon? Uh, the, the only good thing, like as we said earlier, that, that we've had a really tough run. As I don't care how you look at it, we've had some really tough games. Bradford away, Carlisle away, back to back. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Mansfield away, Northampton at home on a Tuesday. We've got four of them six are at home. We've got one massive one against Sutton, which is becoming a bit of a rivalry now, which I'm not too bothered about. But I think Sutton are, and I, to be fair, I'm with some people when they say, I just can't have them winning and beating us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Leaving off it like the FA Cup game. We've got games against teams that you'd fancy as the real ones that you think, right, we have to pick up three points. Colchester, Harrogate, Rochdale away. Yeah. Walsall are dropping like a stone. They're on literally the same as us, I think, two, two, five. So wow. I think you're looking at it. I'm I'm thinking twelve points out of the eighteen is a must. And and we have to, as I said on the debrief. Let's worry about Colchester and uh, Walsall, two winnable games. Get a little, that would be, means that we got seven points out of the last three games. Three unbeaten, yeah. Bit of form, yeah. Three unbeaten going into the Sutton game, which anything then could happen. I don't know who they're playing, but yeah. And then we've got get teams against Rochdale, Rochdale away. Even though it's away and it's a tough game to go to. They're, they're not that great this year. They've just won against, who did they, they beat someone? They won 3-0, didn't they? Could beat someone half decent. No, they beat someone rubbish as well. Oh, did they? Yeah, someone really bad. Gillingham uh, okay. or someone okay. like that. Yeah, that'll do. Uh, and then we've got uh, Crew, which will be a tough game on a Tuesday night, but you you think, right, three points to a point. Harrogate, again, they're one of the whipping boys in the league, and Rochdale, Harrogate are the ones that you think, right, they're going to drop out, Hartlepool's. Yeah, I can't see how we don't look at getting 12, between 12 and 15 points from that 18. So if we, if we don't get... 12 or 15. I mean, like I said, I think we've got to get double digits. If we finish that six, the, those six points or the six matches and we're not getting 10, where do we, where do we sit? Do we, are we in a position where we're starting to look at the, the, the group? Are we getting to the point where we're looking at the manager? Um, what do we, or are we, is it a case of, do you know what, we're, this is what we're going to have and we're going to be, be traditional Wimbledon and see it all the way through. I think you have to look at the manager because we know he can beat teams down there. We've beaten Gillingham 2-0 convincingly. We beat Crawley 2-0 convincingly. We drew with Harrogate away, uh, Harrogate, sorry, Hartlepool away, where, again, you can say, right, in the second game of the season, they got spanked 4-0 by Walsall. The week before, it was going to be a tough game. But, yeah, we picked up seven points from teams that are down there, down the bottom, where we are at the moment. If we have any aspirations of being higher mid-table, I'm not going to say coming up and stuff like that with expectations. No, but a positive six games gets you into a position where you can yeah, go within touching distance. But look, you're looking at them fixtures at the start of the season and thinking, right, they're the games that you've got, especially at the moment. The, the teams we're talking about are not very good teams. Colchester are awful. They've got no manager. Do you know what I mean? They've, they've, they've got three or four players that are 33 years old. Do you know what I mean? They've still got Freddie Sears playing for him. They're still wheeling him out. players there. Oh, Quezia Pyre. Oh, Quezia, yeah. Do you know what I mean? They've got Frank Newbell and Quezia Pyre on the bench. Do you know what I mean? Both old, both one of them. It's like one of them old chat managers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, bring them out. But yeah. I, I, just, get in. 
I look at Colchester on, on Saturday and think, right, free, we have to get this. If we don't get three points against them, then something really wrong already on Saturday. Well, I think this. I think this is why. Like I said, I thought it was an interesting thing to to discuss because, like you said, you, I know seasons forty six games long, but I've always looked at it as they're like mini seasons, and this is a mini season right now. These six games coming up to almost <clears throat> the next six games coming up to the World Cup, frankly, are coming up to um, coming up to November. Um, I think we we play before the World Cup or in the World Cup. We play late in Orient. That's just been just been been arranged, but October for me, as as far as the summit, this this whole season, this is going to be massive. This will set up. Are we going to be constantly looking over our shoulder, thinking God Almighty? But the other thing as well for me, Lee, and I don't know where you sit with this, but it's a it's an actual opportunity now. Colchester and Sutton, we've got to be thinking about getting some sort of resemblance of home form. We've not had good form at Plough Lane for ages with fans. We were okay-ish with the, at the end of that year where we, we started getting to play our lane. We played, well, we, I don't remember when we played, I see Ipswich and playing with the park. But in general, since we've had fans in, Plow lane has been a bit of a, has been a little bit of a, of a, of a voodoo to us. And I think we've got to find a way of making Plow lane a place where we expect to get points rather than we're hoping for a good performance. I agree. And I said, there's four of them six. Or at home, yeah. The the one you look at, you think right could be a tough game is Sutton. You know what I mean? They've they've sold out the away end. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be a big crowd down there, and you think you want the Wimbledon fans to actually start going home happy because none of none of us have. And as I said earlier, uh, people are kind of thinking of other things to do on a Saturday now than other go to, go to games, which is not what we want. We want people in the bar. We want people in the fan zone spending money. Do you know what I mean? We've got bonds to pay off soon. We want people to go home happy, thinking, right, I can't wait. Like, people not looking forward to Colchester already, even though if it was me, I would be. I can't can't go Saturday, uh, and I don't think I'm going to even be able to watch it. Uh, i try my best. got the in-laws coming down. So, but yeah, we'll, yeah, I mean, you you want people to be going, going, right, I can't wait to get power lane because we're going to pick. And if we can start beating the teams that are not very good in this league, which you... At home, you, at home, you've got to. Yeah. And then, yeah, as I said, if we don't, then questions do need to be asked. Of John I mean, do you think, I mean, we've literally been poor, bar the odd game here and there. Do you think it's us? Maybe, is it, are we making it an atmosphere which is not hostile enough? Do you think the ground, that it doesn't lend itself to being conducive to homeless? Or is it just a case of, you know what, we used to play in a tiny little stadium and it was all horrible and we've now no, made no, it no. this nice place. You, you, can, you can make Plow Lane an absolute fortress off the pitch. You really can. But then you've got to tell our stewards to stop being pricks. You've got to tell them to stop coming up to people before the game and telling them to sit down. Uh, letting away fans get away with absolute murder, but home fans can't even, you know what I mean, stand up if we're just about to score. That, you, you know what I mean? Look at the game against MK when that is a diff, totally different. That is, boom, that is like a fireball being let off. Yeah, but you've got to have games like that. Sutton's got to be like, do you know what I mean, a little bit like that. Not as much where they're coming on, obviously people coming on the pitch and getting knocked out and stuff. But yeah, we our stewards have got to kind of lay off the home fans a bit. We, As I said, we, and I said it before, we stand in that corner, we sing, we try and get an atmosphere going. We get so much grief from the stewards. It's just, it, it's fucking annoying, Dan. Do you know what I mean? And there's none of us in there proper kicking off. None, none of us steaming down the front and trying to steam away end. We're just trying to, like, Saturday was brilliant at Bradford because we sang, 
They, they won a big steward, but they let us stand. They let us sing. The home fans did the same. And it was a bit of to and fro after, uh, to and fro, sorry, during the game. Get out after the game. You go in the pub, you chat about the game Get with the rival fans. You have a laugh, you have a beer together, and off you go. No one wants to get nicked in Bradford. Do you know what I mean? No one wants to nick at Wimbledon. But just let us stand, sing. We're not in the way of people. Make it a really good atmosphere down there. As I said, Saturday, the players put on a performance, and that's the uh, blueprint there. They have to now perform like that every week. Yeah. My worry is, do we have the squad if one person just doesn't perform to then bring them in? Do you know what I mean? Saturday, uh, Johnny Jackson kind of got lucky that Gunter and Osu were both out, that he had to play Isaac. Do you know what I mean? Isaac showed up. But if Brown gets injured, do we have anyone who can come in and step in? That's my only worry going forward, especially with the six games. But we have got the players now. Huddling could come in. Do you know what I mean? We have got... Well, yeah, hopefully. It just... It just I don't know. I was just... I keep thinking about... What do you think about the doing? atmosphere of the game? Well, I... <laughs> I think the I think the problem is is that at Plough, at Plough Lane it we've I think the challenge is is that there's been such a big emotional outpouring about getting back to there that naturally the expectation is massive. Is it, it was going to be the launch pad of launch pads, and the fact that it's not been is a challenge. And and again, I'm behind the goal um, in the south stand and. The atmosphere in the last couple of games I've been to this year, the Gillingham game was excellent, was really, really good. And there are a lot of fans who have been desperately trying to get it going, but it hasn't been there. And I, and, I, and again, I, my major concern with the home, and I said it when we, whenever it happened, was like the moment you get 4,000 people in a stadium and they're all crammed together and they're shouting and screaming. Once you get six, it gets watered down a little bit and you've got to try and work out whether we are finding our way as to those pockets. So you've got your little pocket there. Then you've got a big area here, which is basically dead. You come around the corner, it's dead. Then you get behind the goal and it's busy. It's kind of, we're finding almost our sort of atmosphere hotspots to try and to try and work out where the energy is coming from in the ground. And particularly if you're interspersing hardcore fans who've got the energy to do it with people who are not that bothered about chanting or anything like that, it can water down what, the atmosphere that you're looking to create. And I'm not saying that is the case. I'm just saying that that is something that can happen. And I wonder whether or not we haven't quite, you know, with any new ground, you see with a lot of teams, they don't quite get it right. The logistics of it takes a couple of years for those person to move there and you to come here and then you work around. Two two I can go with is one West Ham, where they first moved into that. They hated it. There was no answer at all. And it was nothing. They really didn't like it. But now they're kind of, Again, getting out, getting an, out Arsenal, an Arsenal's the other one. But the thing I say about both of them and the thing I say about Wimbledon is both of them now are doing better as a club. Well, West Ham started doing better, started doing better on the pitch. Yeah. So the atmosphere changed and it was a better atmosphere. Arsenal's exactly the same now. Arsenal are doing well on the pitch, so the atmosphere is better. Our players sometimes have to give something to, back to the fans to cheer about, the, even if it's just a challenge, even if it's just a save, even if, do you know what I mean? Just give... We've got now six games coming up where they can actually do that, score a great goal. Like I said, I, I hate to keep going on about Bradford, but again, the, the fans were brilliant because we had something to cheer about. There was but, a challenge for Davis. And that's, that is, Lee, the golden question. It's like the, fan, the players want to be lifted by fans, so the fans want to do something. But at the same time, the fans are there to be entertained. So as players, we're, we're looking for a spark. 
And you see it so many times in the game of football where you're sitting around and it's that big tackle and everyone's like, right, I like that and I recognise that and I want to see that carry on. And I guess it's just that we have to, I guess, as fans, have to understand what our job is and really, really pile into it. But, um, yeah, it, it, no, I, I think it's going to be, it, it, it will be, I mean, I always enjoy women, as, as you know, but this these next six games, I am certain, having now got rid of the four losses, having got the Bradford draw, nearly win, I think it would be devastating to lose Saturday. To lose Saturday against Colchester, we've almost gone right back to square one. See, I can't, we need I can't, something to build. I can't see that happening, really can't, uh, because the way we played Saturday was brilliant. I think that's now the blueprint of what we have to do pretty much in the next six games, and we'll win games. Again, going back to the atmosphere and stuff, I just think, is as you said, is it the fair? Is the stuff going with the the ownership, the non-ownership? The Don Strass, all that is that kind of affecting it as well. Yeah, could the be. stuff going on at the ground. You know what I mean? Where the bars are quite, the the, the concourse bars are awful to get to. People are taking cash for money, and it's kind of winding people up and stuff. And and is the food area too good that people are sitting there thinking, "Oh, I'm going to eat this pizza before going out to see the game and and go out ten minutes before after the kickoff?" But yeah, I just hope, as I said, the stewards can kind of relax a little bit. They're not there to have a go at the home fans and deliberately get on the home fans back. We're there to cheer on our boys and get them three points as much as possible as we I mean, can. You'd think, wouldn't you, if you're a steward at a team and it's their home game, that must be one of the easiest gigs going. Oh, not I mean, the way they make it. Seriously. No, we, but well, that's what I mean. It should be, shouldn't they, it? They come up to us, last game I was there, they come up to us and said, can you sit down? This was five minutes before the game. And we said, well, what about the away fans? Do you know what I mean? What, what about them? They're all standing up singing. If we go in there, it's going to cause issues. There's too many of them, so we're going to come and sort you lot out instead kind of thing. And it's just like, there's 10, 15 of us in here, all standing. We all sit at the back, so there's no one behind us. No, exactly. Nothing to do with, oh, do you know what I mean? Oh, the TV, like we used to have at Kings Meadow TV or watching us, you're not meant to stand if you're in a seating area. But isn't it safe standing, though? Not where we are, no. In your area, yes. Yeah, yeah. In our area, it is, but... The away fans are all standing, so it can't be that. You know what I mean, there's other but people. It's also so pathetic. Surely, if if you were standing up in front of an old lady and you couldn't see, then yeah. everyone you'd put your hand up. If you're standing at the back, what I don't get what the issue is. Yeah, I don't get it either, mate. And it really rolls people up. And it's, it's quite. As I said I don't go to as many home games nowadays because I just get fed up with it. And I'd rather go on an away game where you get left alone. You get, you know what I mean. You could. Uh, away games this year I've been to have been brilliant the stewards have been all spot on left us to it sang got drunk ate crap food and then, yeah it's been a good day but yeah so we, while we're here should we chat about a little bit about Colchester yeah well, yeah go on then well because we've kind of already gone through it a little bit I just can't see us doing it I think it's going to be a 3-0 Wimbledon win bloody straight hell, off the man. bat 3-0 yeah I same line up same sort of, same everything or what? I think he will. I think he'll go with the sign. Like they, they've got got a week Gunter, off. Gunter will be back. Yeah, I'd have him on the bench. I'd have Isaac playing. You've got to trust Isaac now. You give him the opportunity. And he, you raved about him after the game against Bradford. So you've got to give him that opportunity now. I know Gunter goes to uh, World, World Cup. Cup soon. So you, you might play as the three. If Pierce is injured, he'll be, he could be a natural. If I mean, if if could do, but Towler, now, I don't know how good Towler was. That was all. I, Tyler was, I thought, was brilliant. So I'd, I'd, I'd have to, yeah, I'd have the same lineup. The only thing I would change is maybe Chisley for Hudlin and have Assal just behind. I'd love, I'd, I'd love to just see Hudlin, Davidson, and Assal 
because I think Hudlin would cause issues and we've not really seen it yet. But I think Johnny will go with the exact same as he did against uh, Bradford, but with Pierce for. How, and what's the deal with Pierce? Do we know? Well, your guess, mate, it's Wimbledon thing, isn't it? We, we're not allowed to know how long people are out for injuries. I mean, I, I think, I feel like we're going to win. Um, and I feel like we'll, it will be a 2-0. I think we'll get 2-0, we'll have a clean sheet and it will hopefully be the start of us feeling like, right, we're coming home away from Wimbledon with a decent win. We'll then have the opportunity to play away, hopefully do a decent gig away at Walsall and we'll, who knows, we might get a little bit of momentum. But um, it's just interesting since that, one, you know, my mate Dan, who's been on the podcast, was he just seems he felt that the whole season's changed from the sending off of Mansfield, and I'm hoping that a win at home on Saturday against a team that is going to be in the bottom ten, um, I think it's going to be a real statement as to where where we want to be. So I was just looking at their form, Colchester's form. They lost to Rochdale at yeah. one nil. Do you know what I mean? So Rochdale have been the, like whipping boys. They've drawn with Hartlepool again, who are not great. They drew with Walter, who are not great. They lost to Grimsby, lost to Tranmere. Yeah, you, yeah, they're not a good. They've, they've won one game this season, minus seven goal difference. Do you know what I mean? So you've, you've, got to, you've got to be fancying if we play. And again, it's one of those things where last year you always thought in League One, if we play really, really well, it wouldn't even guarantee the win because you've got teams or other teams who are good. You feel like in League Two, if we play to the best of our ability, we're going to win games. And, and and I think that's where you've got to hope and fingers crossed um, we can start, we, we can get this win and then we'll, next week we can, the podcast can stay positive and we keep building. I was looking at their team as well and the only one you've got, they've got in their team you think, I don't really know much about them other than uh, they've got Matty Longstaff, which is oh, a bit of a coup, but Freddie Sears up front for them. Do you know what I mean? They've got, yeah, Eastman who's decent and stuff, but yeah, you, I just... They've got no manager at the moment. They pay four three three. Do you know what I mean? If they're going to come with that kind of formation, you'd hope that we'd be able to get behind them and get get our players, our good players, Davison and oh, Sal, Jack Curry and Isaac out the park and get balls in the box and score a few goals. I'm, I just yeah, it's one. And if we do lose, I think even if we draw, we're yeah, going to be we're going to be. It's not about if the thing is Saturday's not about performance for me. Bradford was about a performance. We yeah, had I agree. I totally agree. Where Saturday is not about performance, it's about we, we need three points. And that's the one thing I would say for us, is that we, some teams just know how to win regardless of the performance. We've not been able to do that. And to yeah. be in a position where we've played crap and we've nicked it 2-0 yeah. or 2-1 would be I, massive I, for us. If we play awful on Saturday and we win 1-0, I just don't want to see any reaction from the fans. I don't, do you know what I mean? Saturday is about getting three points. So if we're shit and we win 1-0... Just take it on the chin. It's not great. Do you know what I mean? But we need to start building points. on the, And that'd be four points from two, two games unbeaten. Then we move on to the next one. But I can't see it. If we play like we did on Saturday, we'll, we'll, we'll beat uh, Colchester quite easily. So. Oh, I hope you're right, mate. I hope you're right. I'm always right, mate. Never wrong. <laughs> right, then. Well, well done, mate. Happy days. Well Good done to the Bradford. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And again, our condolences with, um, is it, that was it, Dave McKnight, you said, wasn't it? David McKnight, yeah. And, uh, so, condolences again, to all of those people out there. Thank you to our podcast uh, sponsors, Season Master, the manufacturers of secondary glazing and bifold doors. You can find them on www.seasonmaster.com. Thank you very much. Come on, you dons. Good evening. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Wombles Dream and on Facebook at the Wombles Had a Dream. Get involved. By the fans, for the fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.